Well, good morning, church. Uh, welcome again uh, back to the church. And we are studying Matthew chapter 5, verse 8 this morning. I'm going to go ahead and jump right into uh, the message for today, which I have titled, Live to See. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8 reads in the New King James Version, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Whenever I read the Beatitudes, one thing that I always ponder on is the relationship between the virtue that Jesus is promoting and advocating for and the reward that attaches uh, to that particular virtue. The poor in spirit are promised the kingdom of heaven for their possession. And those who mourn are promised that they shall be comforted. The meek are promised the inheritance of the earth. And those who hunger and thirst after righteousness are promised to be filled. And those who are merciful, as we saw last week, are promised that they shall obtain mercy. In verse 8 of Matthew chapter 5, the virtue that Jesus speaks of is the purity of the heart. And the reward that attaches to it is seeing God. I want to briefly talk about two aspects of seeing God this morning. The first aspect of seeing God is about experiencing the manifested presence of God, having that literal vision of God or a literal standing before the presence of God. The second aspect of seeing that I want to talk about this morning is about experiencing God's blessing and His miracles in our lives. Now, both these aspects of seeing God require a pure heart if we are to enjoy His presence. The more I meditate on the relationship between a pure heart and a vision or a sight of God, the more I began to understand that there is something overpowering and overwhelming, unfathomable about the presence of God, that it is only the pure in heart will enjoy His presence. His presence is a delight to the pure in heart, but at the same time, it's a terror to anyone else. The first Adam in the Bible enjoyed God's presence, and he communed with God, and he talked with God, and, and he, he freely had that fellowship with God. Now, God used to come in the cool of the day when you read Genesis chapter 3, and he used to talk with Adam and Eve, and they used to enjoy in his presence. But there came a time in their life when their pure heart was defiled through disobedience, and their immediate reaction at that time was to hide from God. A pure heart is one that draws you near to God's presence. A pure heart thrives in his presence. It longs to be in the presence of God, and it delights in the presence of God. On the contrary, when impurity enters the heart, our instinct is to immediately hide from his presence, is to immediately flee and hide away from the presence of God. Now, we may not hide from people. We may not lose the strength to, to stand in front of people and to worship in front of people. But when there is impurity in our heart, we lose the strength to stand before the presence of God and to have that uh, fellowship with Him. 
Here is what Genesis chapter 3 from verse 8 to 10 says. The Bible declares, And they heard the sound of the Lord, talking about Adam and Eve, walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. I reckon God routinely came to Adam and Eve and he visited them in the garden in the cool of the day. Now, if I had to put a time on what the cool of the day means, I would say six-ish in the evening of a summer day. I would say that is the perfect time to take a walk with your loved one, have lovely conversations, and and then just, just play with one another. So it was a time of fellowship for God. It was a time of unity for God with His creation. And I assume that whenever God came to visit them, Adam and, Eve, Adam and Eve would be out there in the open waiting for the Lord. So the Lord never had to ask where they were. He would readily see them. Only when they invited impurity into their heart did they lose that strength to stand before Him. Haven't you ever had that experience as a child when you used to long for your parents to come from from work and you would just run and hug them and you would delight to be in their presence? But there are some moments when if you did something wrong that your parents wouldn't approve of, your immediate reaction is to hide from them. You wouldn't be as enthusiastic to receive them when they come from work because there is something drawing you back from their presence. Now multiply that billion times and that's what happened to Adam and Eve. Now the Bible records many more similar experiences where people who have experienced the manifested presence of God or who had a vision of God and their immediate reaction was to look upon how unworthy and how unclean they were. Many, in many experiences and many instances are recorded in the Bible in this regard. For example, in the book of Judges, chapter 13, verse 22, there is the story of the, the, the parents of the giant Samson. In the Bible, there is this story of an angel appearing to the mother of Samson, and he prophesied and he delivered a message unto her that she shall conceive and have a, have a son, and that she would call him Samson. And then she goes home, she tells this to her husband, and then the husband prays to God so that the angel would appear again unto them. And God heard his prayer, so the angel came and appeared to them again and told them the same thing that he first told to his, to his wife, to the, to the wife of Manoah. So Samson's father, his name is Manoah, he heard everything that the angel said, And then lastly, he made up an altar and made a sacrifice which began to ascend into a heaven. And as the sacrifice, the smoke from the sacrifice was going into the heaven, within that split of a second, Manoah must have seen some revelation of God, some manifested presence of God. And then the the next thing that he said in verse 22 of Judges chapter 13 is this, 
And Manoah said to his wife, We shall surely die, because we have seen God. There was something about that presence of God that was revealed and manifested that made him think that he was going to die. You see many more similar experiences in the Bible where people, right after they saw God's glory, they would be terrified. And immediately they would begin to see the impurity and the sin that exists in their own lives. Another experience is from the prophet Isaiah. He had a similar experience when you read Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. The Bible declares, In the year that King Uzziah died, here is Isaiah declaring, he said, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And in verse 5 down it says, So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes hath seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So, time after time, you see these experiences of people who have witnessed the manifested glory and presence of God, fearing for their lives, because in the presence of that pure presence, in the manifestation of that clean and awesome and amazing presence of God, they immediately see the impurity that is in them, and then they begin to fear for their lives. I'm trying to paint a picture of the relationship between purity and a vision of God. The second aspect of seeing God is about enjoying in what His presence does for us. Now, having a pure heart is a precondition in order to enjoy and rejoice in what God does for us. In Luke chapter 5, there is one story of Peter. From verse 4 to 8, we see one example of this. Now, Jesus stepped into Peter's uh, boat and he preached. And after preaching, uh, the scripture says, uh, when he had stopped speaking, Jesus said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and, and their net was uh, breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, this is the verse that I am trying to get to. When Simon Peter saw it, when he saw the miracle that happened, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. See, when Peter saw that miracle, when he saw the presence of God in a way, then, then, then his, his immediate reaction was to ask Jesus to depart from him. He saw the impurity that existed in himself. He called himself a sinful man, and he asked Jesus to depart from him. The goodness of the Lord was what convicted Peter at this moment. 
At a time when he should be rejoicing in the miracle, his, his reaction was to retreat and hide because there was something impure in him, because there was sin in him, and sin never survives in the presence of the glory of God. And sin never cohabits with the presence of God. So he says to the Lord, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. So the gist of what I've been trying to show you through these numerous examples and scriptures is that if you want to see God and not be intimidated, if you want to see the manifested glory and presence of God and not be afraid for your life, you need a pure heart. Then here is the next question that I want to pose. What level of purity would suffice to achieve that? And how do I get there? I say the level of purity required is a Christ-like purity. The purity of the first Adam fell through his disobedience. But the purity of the second Adam, Christ Jesus, is a perfect purity. Christ sits at the right hand of the Father and he delights in the presence of the Father and he is never intimidated by his presence. And it is the purity of Christ that God wants us to have. It is the purity of Christ that God wants to see in us. And not only does he want to see it in us, he has also made a provision for it as well. Now God never asks us that which he could not provide. So for this reason, the Bible declares in 1 Peter chapter 1, from verse 18 to 19, you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lump with blem without blemish and without spot. Then Peter continues to declare in verse 22 and says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. Peter identifies in this scripture two important points as regards the purity of the heart. The first point is that our redemption is a purification process. And that is why it was achieved through the blood of Jesus. God did not pay a huge sum of money to save us from sin and evil. God did not purchase us back through gold and silver. That's why the word says, you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold. You see, our condition needed a cleansing which nothing else but the blood of Jesus could achieve. This process of our purification or our redemption is so much important, church, because without it, we would remain in our sins and we would remain separated from God for eternity. So I challenge anyone tuning in today who has not yet surrendered his life to Christ, who has not yet made that commitment to follow Christ, to make that decision today. 
because today is the day of salvation and now is the hour of salvation. We need to be purified in order to thrive in the presence of God. We need to have that purity of heart, that Christ-like purity of heart, if we are ever to remain within the presence of God and if we are ever to enjoy His presence. If we are ever to have fellowship with His presence, we need that purity of heart which nothing else but Christ could provide. God the Father Himself had to hide His face from Jesus when when Jesus took our sins upon Himself because God cannot look upon sin. God is not going to compromise about the purity of the heart. And He did not compromise even when that impurity was upon Christ Jesus upon Calvary. When Jesus carried the sins of the world, He became impure and God the Father had to hide His face from Him. God never compromises on the purity of the heart. That is why we eagerly needed a a Savior. That is why we eagerly needed a blood to wash us free of our sins and our rebellion and everything filthy in our life so that we could be cleansed and have that fellowship with our Father, with our Creator. Now through His blood, we are cleansed and we are purified. And that is the first important point that Peter is talking about in the scripture that we just read. The second point that Peter raised is the purifying of the soul through obedience for the truth. Now, though we are purified in our innermost being through faith in Christ, as long as we remain trapped in this earthly body, we are constantly battling against a spiritual wicked force that tries to spoil our purity. We are in a constant war with the world. We are in a constant war with the flesh. We are in a constant war with the desires of the flesh. And we are in a constant war with an evil force that tries to keep us bound in our sin. So for this reason, Peter talks about the purifying of the soul through obedience for the truth. The soul needs a continual purification and the purification that takes place through obedience for the truth. What defiled the perfect man, Adam, was his disobedience. And it is therefore our obedience for the truth that will get us back into the track, that will keep us clean and pure. So church, there is nothing in the universe as awesome and as wonderful as the presence of God. And if we ever want to enjoy His presence, if we ever want to dwell in His presence, if we ever want to have that father-son, father-daughter type of relationship with God, we need to have a pure heart which God only could provide. So let us seek to live a pure life so that we will be able to see Him so that we will be able to dwell in His glory, so that we will be able to have that fellowship with the God who loves us. Let me leave you with this scripture. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, the Bible says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Pursue holiness because it's so important. 
and the Bible explicitly declares without it, nobody will see the Lord. It is my heart's desire to see the Lord. It is my heart's burning desire to be in His presence. So in order to get there, I have made up my mind to live a pure life, to have the purity of heart, to have the purity of the soul, to have the purity of mind, which only the Holy Spirit could provide so that I will remain in His presence, so that one day I will be able to see the Lord face to face and not be terrified. Just like, like the child I, I, I was speaking about earlier, as a child runs to, 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 to hug his father, just as a child runs to hug his mother, I want to be able to run and hug the Lord. I want to be able to run and be embraced by His presence and not be terrified. And God has made a provision for that in Christ Jesus. And I truly believe that and I commit myself and I would call on you as well to, to have that open mind and open heart to, to seek to live a pure life which will glorify God and which will guarantee you that when the time comes and God reveals himself to you, you will not be terrified, but rejoice and delight in his presence. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the provision that you have made for our purification in the blood of Jesus. We love you, Lord. We thank you. You loved us and that is why you have made a sacrifice of your son, of your beloved son upon the cross, so that we would be able to be cleansed of our impurity, so that we would be able to have that fellowship back with you. Thank you for the provision that you have made for us. You did this so that we would be able to stand before your presence and have fellowship with you. Father, we delight in your presence. We long to be in your presence. And we long to have an experience of the manifested glory in our daily life, in our daily walks. Father, I pray for anyone who has never experienced the, the beauty and the awesomeness and the glory of your presence that you would reveal yourself unto them, that you would give them that experience. And I pray for their hearts to be drawn unto you. Grant us this morning, Lord, the grace to live a pure life through obedience for the truth. Help us to grow in maturity in Christ Jesus and help us to grow into Christ-likeness. And in the powerful and mighty name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.